0: Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy of Press Record. So away we go. I still don't know how I feel about that intro. I kept doing the whole daily podcast about music and creative culture in London, but it felt like too much of a mouthful. But I might go back to that, I don't know. Today's episode is a little bit of a personal one. Largely in that it's only going to be me talking. I didn't go out to talk to anyone for this one. It's just about me, myself and I. And as you might have guessed from the title, it is about my band. I've been putting in a lot of work recently, more so than I have done in a very long time, towards making my band a physical thing. I thought it might be good to recap, go back to the start and look at how I got to this point so I can remind myself about what it is I'm trying to do in the first place. Not too dissimilar to what I did with the podcast where I took a bit of a break because I got bogged down in the wrong source of motivation. And then once I recalibrated, I felt a bit more enthused to get back to it. So, the name of my band is Loads of Japanese Bands the music also i'll try and do all this in let's let's aim for 15 minutes at the very most i really don't want this to be another half an hour 45 minute thing so the music the name of the band the name of my band is loads of japanese bands and the music came first i first started making music of my own in earnest once i'd already joined my first band that band was called 60 with an i we had a myspace page which is pretty much the full extent of our existence online but not too long ago i think a couple of months ago it was revealed that myspace lost a whole bunch of data and a bunch of music from the from back in the day has been lost forever so i guess no one will ever hear that unless anyone still has a cd or any of that ends up online on youtube or something i don't think it can right now but the first band i was in was called 60 with an I So S-I-X-T-I That band started because one of the members was Studying a music course at school And as part of the course You had to perform something as part of an ensemble And the song that we've recorded Or the song that we performed Was Run by Snow Patrol And I was the singer To this day I still think I was the singer because I was Pretty much the only black kid I think in the whole year I think at least one of only a handful in the whole school This was in Exeter And there was a bit of an assumption that, yeah, he's a black guy. All black guys can sing, right? And that's something that we might come back to. So that was when I first performed in earnest with a group, with a band. Then that became a band called Sixty. And I was very much just the singer. Other people wrote the lyrics. Everyone else wrote the songs. I'd be given the lyrics and would just sing them. So I went from that to, I think, writing lyrics, to writing parts, to writing songs to thinking, okay, here's first EP, first album, second album, etc. The idea of making music sparked something in my mind that I, to this day, have never really switched off. It was as if... It was something mathematical. I used to be the good kid in school when it came to grades. I would be one of the people that got the best marks in tests and so on. It became something of an identity for me in school. I think in the early days of school, everyone is quick to find an identity. Maybe you're the sporty kid, the funny kid... You're the joker in class, that kind of thing. I was often one of the people who'd have the top marks, if not the very top marks, in tests. And we're talking age under 10 years old. Moved to Exeter when I was 14. And that identity, I didn't care as much about that identity anymore. Because I found a new thing to excite me, which was making music. And the bands around at that time that I was most interested in, The Strokes, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Block Party, in not, not yet not Interpol, they came a bit later, We Are Scientists. These were bands where I could listen to the songs, the subways as well. I'd listen to the songs and I could easily figure out how to play on a guitar. And that made me want to make music. It was, it was as if, ah, I've deciphered their code, I can do that. And then we were off to the races. Now, life happens as life does, and everyone else in that group went off and did their own thing, went to university, got jobs, just just started living their proper lives. They all seemed to have the mindset of, this was fun, but let's leave that here and go on to do, you know, let, let's do the serious thing now. And I never let it go. So I deferred for a year. I didn't really take a gap year either. Well, it was a gap year and I did nothing. It wasn't a gap year as in I went traveling or did some exc- exciting excursion of worked or anything. I just did nothing. In fact, the only thing I really did was discover the TV show Gilmore Girls, which is which, re- which really is a gift that keeps on giving. And my whole family is like, this show is ridiculous. And then my sister got into it, my mum got into it, my dad and brother were still very much of there. They talk too fast. What is this? But I'm getting sidetracked. So eventually, I found a course to study, well, my dad found a course for me to study that he thought would combine my interest in maths with my interest in music. That was music technology and software development at Huddersfield University. And the thing that excited me the most about studying there was that they had actual recording studios there. Four, if I remember correctly, one big one, and then three smaller ones. The big one had the control room and the live room and that glass window in between where you can look into the live room from the control room. The three smaller ones had a control room and a live room and a corridor that separated the two. So you had three control rooms next to each other, three live rooms next to each other, and you'd have to open the door to come out of the control room and then walk across a small corridor and then go into the live room. And that was all I really cared about. The lectures at the time were mostly slideshows and I went through what I think... I heard it it being referred to on another podcast. Lizzo just released her debut album, which I'm really enjoying. And I've listened to a whole bunch of podcasts that featured her. And in one of them, one of the interviewers asked her, when was your sophomore slump? And that's when you stop caring about getting grades and just essentially phone it in as far as school is concerned. And I very much had that during my time at Huddersfield University. All I really cared, a million thoughts at once. Let's pick one. It was one of those things where you miss one lecture, and you realise, oh, no one seems to mind that I missed a lecture. Okay, then you miss another lecture, and the next thing you know, you get the letter saying, hey, it's been about three months since you registered for a class. What's going on? And I started trying to spend more time in the studios, but I got frustrated, because at this point, I've already got material that would become loads of Japanese bands. And this is, what, 2009? So that's how far back this whole thing goes for me. I would try to use particularly that big recording studio by myself. So I'd spend forever setting up the drums, setting up all the microphones, and I'd go into the control room, set up the session, arm the tracks to record, go to the live room, press record, go to the live room, play, go back to the control room, didn't sound right, go back to the live room, play again, back and forth, back and forth, really exhausting, didn't really sound like what I wanted it to sound like, so I was quickly dissuaded. And I didn't really, I've still got some versions of songs some versions of those recordings somewhere in my hard drives etc my pc but it wasn't the end result wasn't satisfying enough and i wasn't confident enough to bring other people in to help me to achieve what i wanted to achieve i also started another band with one of the people i lived with phil that band is called hound voice it was amazing and it too was deleted in the great erasure of myspace but we had one message on our myspace from the members of everything everything who we met at one of their gigs back in the early days getting sidetracked again so eventually drop out of Huddersfield University but drop out in the worst not not like I was going to classes passing tests and then said thanks for everything folks but I'm leaving drop out in the. you haven't been to a lecture in about six months we're assuming you don't really go here anymore here's a certificate to say you attended the end came to London with my to live with my brother and I had two friends who were in my first band with me, Felix and Ian, who lived in London. And at one point, I showed them what would become the first album, what I want to become the first album for loads of Japanese bands. I had it on, I think, a small MP3 player. I brought my computer speakers, and when I plugged the speakers into... When you play music from your computer through the speakers, it can sound kind of loud. Yes, it's not expert, etc., but it sounds loud enough. So I thought if I brought those computer speakers, plugged them into my MP3 player that would also sound loud enough and they'd get what i'm going for with the album it did not sound loud enough it sounded ridiculously quiet and it's an evening i'll always remember it's somewhat scarred in my memory i played them my album i don't think i played along with it but it was so quiet and there was a foot we had a football match on in the background as well we were at my friend felix's place he lived near stratford station he had a football match on on his computer while I was playing on the album. I think the football match was on mute, it might not have been, but what I played them were so quiet, there were little bits there that were interesting, but I could tell it didn't have the, whoa, this is amazing, let's do this impact that I was hoping it would have. Another time, I spent some time with Ian at his place, which I think was also near Stratford at the time, where I taught him all the bass lines for every song on that album, and he had a notebook and he wrote down some of the the riffs etc in the back of his notebook for bass because ian played the bass in that original band 60 and felix played the guitar and they were both responsible for teaching me the guitar there were times in ian's computer study back in exeter when i was trying to learn how to play champagne supernova by oasis and struggled to strum up on the acoustic guitar without almost yanking the strings out of the guitar good times anyway So that was my first, and for the longest time, my last attempt at showing other people, hey, I make music as loads of Japanese bands, here's my ideas, do you want to join me? Because I could tell straight away it didn't have the impact I wanted it to. I played one, I played some open mic nights, hosted by Viz the Spoon, Near in North London at a venue I cannot remember now. I want to ah no, nope, the venue name is gone, and I don't want to spend too much time looking for stuff. But I played some of his open mic nights. There was a time when I had to climb a fence with a guitar in my back. That interesting times, all while working it as the dead end job. Very much thinking now everything else just needs to be dead end because at any minute now music's going to take off I need to be able to drop everything and pursue that which of course has never happened So played a couple of open mic nights where I played along to a backing track and you know Got some positive feedback, but everyone gives each other positive feedback at open mics Played one gig as loads of Japanese bands in Kilburn at a venue. I want to say the Good Ship. Yes, the Good Ship And my brother came his girlfriend at the time came I think Ian and Felix might have come and that was pretty much it Played along to a backing track Played with my hoodie on. Just, you know, real rookie mistake type of gig. Said, afterwards, emailed the the promoter saying, thank you very much. Any other support slots, please let me know. And he replied saying, well, considering you were late to the show, it was just you rather than you and someone else, and you barely brought five people. I am not in any hurry to have you again. I think I at least deserve an explanation. And I never replied. And that scared me away from ever trying to get another gig gig. And it's, Only since doing the open mics that I've worked up the courage to try and get back into pursuing this thing in earnest again. Even at the open mics, i played music as Roy. I never really said i make music as loads of Japanese bands, even though I was playing songs that I would like to play as loads of Japanese bands. And it's only very, very recently. In fact, it was upon meeting Sean. I can't remember the episode number, but if you search... Saddest night out, one word, and Sean, S H A W, and you'll probably find the episode we recorded together at the Reliance the night we met. Similar interests, he was from America and he, it sounded like he'd done what I want to do with his own music and he'd gone much further with it. He toured, played places, done lots of things in this realm which were very, which were and are very impressive to me. Things I wish I had done, should have done, etc., but just never had the confidence because I always felt this overriding emotion of. Yeah, music would be great, I'd love to, etc. But, but it's not for me, you know. I, I don't belong in that realm. The people that belong in that realm, you know, they look like it, they come from it. Of course they do. They've been in bands since they were 15, they've toured tons of times, etc. Covered in tattoos, typically, look good in a leather jacket. And that was never me. So I always felt there was a barrier to entry that no matter what I tried, I could never cross. Just because innately, I don't belong in that realm. And that's a thought I'm forever trying to battle. And it's weird because whilst I'm trying to get into that realm of making music, being in a band, etc. The way I want to go about it, I wanted to stand at odds with how things are typically done. I mean, right down to the band name. I know loads of Japanese bands sounds ridiculous as a band name. And that's deliberate because I've always felt like I'm at odds with what is expected in a musician of this variety. I Instead of trying to shy away from it and blend in, I thought, no, let me lean into that and make whatever I do stand out hence the only thing oh well that's a whole chapter I missed out so I did do some recording as loads of Japanese bands with Max Fulcrum in his studio near Highbury and Islington Station didn't end up using the recordings because I did all of the drums in one day and never had time for vocals and he said I'll just use the type of mic you know these types of settings will blend in just fine but I never did that so, I did eventually put something up. It's called Virgin, and every song is called Virgin. And I think if you go to loads of Japanese bands.bandcamp.com, you can find them all there. And that again le- plays into the ethos behind this of intention. Tra- standing out by trying to blend in, I think is the best way to put it. So, all of the songs in that first, I guess it's, you should call it an EP. The first EP are all called Virgin. The name of the EP is Virgin. I like the idea that if you try to ask Alexa or Siri or whatever, voice assistant you have play Virgin by loads of Japanese bands it would be stumped that's that's the whole other podcast about that side of the ideology behind this but in trying to blend in and just naming everything the same it ends up standing out same with me I always wear a white shirt I feel like it's the most default basic attire most people who finish work white shirt with the sleeves rolled up it's a universal symbol that I've finished my shift and this is me off the clock type of look but if that's all you wear then you stand out. It's a very basic outfit, but if it's the only outfit, you end up standing out. Standing out by trying to blend in. So yeah, I recorded a bunch of stuff with Max. Never did anything with the recordings, but I had some demo versions that I ended up putting up on Bandcamp. And it's yeah. After meeting Sean, I felt we we came to an. We didn't see each other for a few months, Then he came back to the open mic. We talked again. And I said, yeah, I'd play with him, he'd play with me. He's, he's working on building something that that's for him to talk about, so I won't speak for him, but he's building something that is all very new to me. But the idea that, okay, Sean might be, could be in my band as a bassist, and Felix, he was still interested in playing guitar with me, so I thought, okay, maybe I can actually do this, actually put a live band together and play some shows. Because for the longest time, I just felt if I could just get on a stage and do this thing, then it would become undeniably obvious how good this thing is and the rest the road would start to unfold itself and i just have to walk down it but uh had a had a drum so i had felix on guitar sean on bass and a guy named james on drums had one session with james and it became very quickly clear we weren't on the same page so that was my first and last session with james and there was another guy ken who was who i met at the studios and he seemed interesting in drumming with me. So I had one, <laughs> bit of a curse here with drummers. So I had one session with James and I had one session with Ken. And then Ken also backed out. He said, I like what you're doing, big fan, but I'm just not in that place right now. So, you know, respectfully, fair enough, Ken, thank you very much. But internally, you find yourself thinking, darn it, I was so close. Now I'm back to square one. Uh, will I ever get this thing together, etc." At the same time, I wasn't really feeling Sean in my band. So I was wanted to find a way to tell him, yeah, I'm not really feeling you in my band. And I did tell him, but I did not tell him in the best way. Now, a lot of what I'm doing here is very new to me. And I'm rubbing shoulders with people who have a lot more experience in this field. But that doesn't excuse a lack of mutual respect. And that's very much what I illustrated. And I, I hope to see him this Sunday to really apologize in person and clear the air there. Because he's a good guy and I he didn't deserve the way I spoke to him and especially after losing Ken I might have taken for granted what I was doing with Sean but especially after losing Ken I have a newfound understanding for oh, what it means to have someone say yeah, I don't want to participate in this project we've been building together especially since I've been playing with Sean for a bit longer than Ken had played with me Ken literally played with me once and said I'm alright thanks and I felt a little bit heart- less heartbroken but still heartbroken and I'd been playing with Sean for a few weeks and then backed out and yeah So I owe him a conversation. So at this stage, I have Felix on guitar. I've got Danny, who's been on the podcast, on bass, me on vocals and guitar. We had a rehearsal last night where I used a drum machine to play the drums. And it went pretty well. There's seven songs so far. There's another five I have in mind to add to that. I'd already sent an email to a venue, Road Trip and The Workshop. I reached out to Fern. Fern never replied. So I just went to their website, found their email address listed for bookings. Sent them an email, and they replied with the email that I'm expecting with any venue, which is, "Hey, send us a link to your social media, etc., and some of your music." And in all fairness, I don't really have that, or maybe I do, but I don't really think I have it. Because what I do have is Saddest Night Out, the podcast, the Instagram, which I haven't been on, that I haven't posted on since maybe October, and the SoundCloud, which has some music on there as well. But I'm thinking what they expect is, a, is an Instagram account or a Facebook account with lots of pictures of the band. All look, You know you know the classic band photo shoot. It's sometimes black and white, but they look moody. And maybe it's just the singer looking into the camera. Or everyone else is looking into the camera except the singer. And a couple of tracks up there that you can listen to. Maybe some videos of them at a show or a music video, etc. And I don't have any of that. So before even trying to reply and show the people at the road trip and the workshop what I do have, I'm already thinking, oh, I don't have what they want. And thinking that's a dead end. I do still want to play a show and become a going concern as a live act. But I'm thinking maybe I need to pivot, also I'm aware of how much time I'm spending here, so I'll try and wrap things up. Hopefully what I've said has made some sense. It felt therapeutic to talk about anyway. But I'm thinking to pivot more towards recording. So I've been spending more time at Caffrey Studios with Sydney, which by the way is one of the favourite my most favourite episodes I've recorded talking to Sydney. Spent a lot of time with him. And I'm looking to help cover some sessions there become one of the people that works there essentially and helps to caretaker to look after the place in return i might get to record there that might happen as soon as this friday and i'm thinking maybe i should focus on recording instead of playing live still have rehearsals, still working building a band but if i put more recordings out there maybe i can drum up more interest that way so that when i do play a show there's already some interest in who i am and what i'm about from people listening to the recordings. I've also been hoping for the longest time that whatever audience I've accumulated via the podcast, I can pivot towards interest or an audience for my music. Again, because whenever an artist is playing, or most artists, when they play their first shows, their audience is made up of the most immediate people in their circle, whether it's work friends or family or inner circle friends. a handful of people that you can count on to come to at least your first show. But there's an increasing trend, especially with venues in London, where a promoter will say, yeah, you can play my venue on this night or be on this bill. Here's you have here's 30 tickets that you have to sell. And I find myself thinking, well, if you're the promoter, isn't it your job to sell the, the show and the tickets? But it's one thing to gather your inner circle, your work friends, family, friends, etc., to come to your first show, but there's only so many shows those people can go to. The idea is that, you, build, you start building an audience and then people come to your show based on your name, not because they know you personally. I'm hoping my first show won't just be that handful of work friends or family or close friends, etc. It might be people who have I've interviewed, people who've listened to interviews, people who've been to the open mics. Hopefully there'll be a wider circle of people that I can bring to at least the first show. And hopefully I can perform at that first show well enough that the next... One, I wouldn't have to look for another show. I'd become in-demand. And two, at the next show, more people would come who haven't, who don't know me personally, but maybe came as a guest of one of the previous people at an earlier show. And now they brought their own friends based on the music. Not based on me, but based on the music. So what I'm saying is the first audience might be based on me. Hey, you know me. I'd love it if you could come. But the next audience would be based more on the music. Ooh. So yeah, that's the... That's, to some degree, the story of how I've got here with loads of Japanese bands. I've learned a lot. I think the hardest pill to swallow so far was when I had James as a drummer, and after that first session it became clear it wasn't going to work out. Nothing against James, but just because I'm so new to all of this, because for the longest time I felt I don't belong here, I couldn't possibly... Whenever you get a setback, my mind spirals back to that place of, man, maybe I've been making a huge mistake all along, maybe I'm right, maybe I don't belong here, maybe I shouldn't do this, can't believe i spent so long on it, because, as I hinted at earlier, everyone else who's come across, I've shared this with, they all went on to, you know, have careers, have relationships, friendships, holidays with friends, holidays with spouses, like, they've lived lives, lives, the kind of things that you can populate your social media feed with, like, oh, I've done this and done this, and I've got nothing to show for me, except a whole bunch of songs that no one else has ever heard, because I've been so tight-fisted with them, and that's the, when you've held on to something for so long, you get uh, maybe a bit overprotective with it, and again, because I'm new to it, so when Sean is the bassist, I was very much not like, no, it has to be played like this. When James was the drummer, I was like, no, it has to be played like this. At yesterday's rehearsal, Danny played the bass lines a bit differently. And I said, as long as you stick around the basic chord structure, you're not changing it too much, that's okay. And that was the first for me. And it made me realise, huh, I think I was a bit harsh previously. And because it's new to me, I'm learning. But... Ew, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked again. I, I'd said I didn't want this to be a 45-minute episode, and we're in great danger of getting there. 25 minutes, I'll try and stick to that. So all of which is to say, I, I'm learning as I go here. I've had some setbacks, and I'm building up the backbone that makes setbacks less... makes you less prone to falling into a spiral when you have a setback. So finding out Ken doesn't want to drum with this band anymore previous me would have really fallen fallen more apart and thought oh no I was so close it was perfect whereas now I'm a bit more realistic and okay fair enough it's great playing with you keep in touch and personally I'm like okay just have to find another drummer in the meantime what can I do it's the same ethos that led to starting this podcast there are so many things I wanted to do but felt I need to do x and y and z and a and b and c first before I can do it so I had to come out of that train of thought and think what can I do now with what I have with my two hands I have a phone with a microphone I have an internet connection podcast let's start with that it's simple but it's something immediate that helps me get to where I want to go rather than waiting for some some plates some coins to flip in my favor before I can do something rather than waiting for something that depends on other people what can I start doing immediately and that's the mentality I'm trying to bring back to loads of Japanese bands. First of all, getting quicker to say I make music as loads of Japanese bands instead of being so quick to put myself in the back burner and say, oh, you yeah, know, I make music, I don't really talk about it. No, I've got to get used to talking about it with my whole chest. But also, yes, okay, so this band number didn't work out, so this didn't work out. Okay, pivot. What? What? You still have two hands, you still have your mind, you are still able... What can you do? How can you still move forward? Just because this thing didn't work out doesn't mean everything has to grind to a halt. You are still you. You can still achieve something. But also, when you make a mistake, and I'm going to... I've made some and have way more to still make. It's important to recognise that you're not infallible. And other people are people just like you are. And they deserve respect. And you should... If you make a mistake, the best thing you can do is acknowledge it and... Behave accordingly as soon as possible. Don't hold a grudge. Don't act like no, I wasn't wrong. Don't pretend you weren't wrong if you know you were. Be an adult about it. Acknowledge it. Talk to the person you've made the mistake. Apologize as necessary and move forward with a clean slate. And if it means things, it presses pause and certain things you want to do. That's okay. There's always something else you can do. You can always pivot to something else. As long as it, as long as I'm here breathing with my faculties, etc. I can still make things happen. And I am the only one who decides whether or not I can do it. Yes, I've been carrying around this burden, this grudge, this train of thought forever that, oh, I shouldn't, I don't, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I'm the only one who's telling myself, no, you can't do it. And therefore, as as long as I can tell myself, as long as I can be my biggest cheerleader, I can make things happen. I feel like I wanted to end this on some grandiose point, but that shit might have sailed 10, 15 minutes ago. So before this does become the 45-minute episode, Next on my immediate agenda is to work on recordings, is to work on writing up the tabs for the different parts in each song so that at least there is a reference point for exactly how I want things to be played. But i realised I'll always have the recordings to play things the way exactly I want them to be played. If in a band setting, band members change things slightly, maybe I need to be a little less precious. And maybe if things take off with the recordings and I garner that more attention and following, then when it comes to the live thing, I can be a bit more... No, I want to adhere closer to the recording rather than mixing things up. But at least never let go of the mindset that I can still make things happen as long as I am working. <sighs> so yeah, might do some recording on Friday. I'll keep you posted. There's also, I've also had an idea for a video for the first song on that bunch of tracks on... The Bandcamp, loads of Japanese com The first song is called Virgin and I had an idea of recording myself playing it in my shoebox of a bedroom just to put some sort of video out there, begin some sort of presence on YouTube and the wider world and just show who I am It's We'll see Watch this space Otherwise, thank you very much for listening to this basically solo therapy session Hopefully in the next episode I'll have someone else to talk to I'm hoping to get to tonight's open mic early but I'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening. You can find me online. Just search Saddest Night Out, all one word. I've been talking about it more on the open mics, but I sometimes think I neglect to mention it's called Saddest Night Out, all as one word, no space. Because if you just search Saddest Night Out with spaces, you don't find me. So yeah, if you search for Saddest Night Out, all one word, you'll find me and me. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode. Take care.